Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Corner of Gray Street podcast. This is episode number 41, and I'm Bruce, and joined by my host in crime, Nolan, the Nolanator. Bruce, we are back. Man, this is back-to-back weeks of podcast. What is, what's going on? It's like we're up to something here. I know, it's almost as if, you know, 2021 is becoming something that will be relevant in DMB history or something. And speaking of history, this show, this episode is going to be full of history, Nolan. But quick, we have a couple of quick updates um, to get into before we kick this off. And um, we were going to do this since the last time we spoke to you, to everybody, but since we had to throw in an emergency podcast in there, we're going to pretend like that one didn't happen, and we're still going to go back in time to cover a couple things um, that we were not able to cover in our lengthy absence here. And Nolan, the band's 30th anniversary of their first official show has came and passed. Um, it's been, honestly, it's been over a month since that. Um, 3 1991 was the first official show, apparently, and it went without any Corner of Gray Street podcast fanfare. It did, and that's why we got we to gotta recognize it right now. 30 years of DMB, that is remarkable, and the fact that they are, yep, golf clap, and the fact that they are still doing it i mean even i mean even more incredible just great stuff from them and um you know bruce along the way they hit some other big anniversaries with uh the everyday album 20th Mm. anniversary interesting uh and crash will have its 25th anniversary this week so oh man 25 years since crash that's it's really weird to think about, and uh, man, blessed to have oh, that pretty. album for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that album gave us this song that we're going to dive into deeply today, and you know, the 25th anniversary of Crash, maybe we should do an episode. I don't know. We may not have time. It's uh, it's a hectic time in, in um, some of our lives right now, so we'll have to see about that, but... Yeah. We can give you a little 25th anniversary sort of of a special song from that album here in a minute. But, um, Nolan, we still haven't gotten any new album news. Uh, Literally nothing. Kind of crickets on that front. But that's okay. We still think it's coming. Mm -hmm. And... Really, I mean, we've got the best of news. I mean, the the with the summer tour looming, it is in just about three months or so. Um, I mean, that's what we're focused on. We're just beyond thrilled about that. Oh yeah, totally fine. I, I forgot about the new album with all of the uh, the tour dates that came out and the big announcement last week. So yeah, just I'm I'm giddy about this new tour and uh, man. Let's let's bring it on. I want to see 41 in the first show. Like, let's go. And Ooh. Bruce. What a segue. What a segue. You want to wow. see number 41? Maybe it'll open. It might. Be, <laughs> that uh, would make I'll, your opener prediction from last week wrong, though. Yeah, I thought ants. I say ants, but hey, 41 opener? You can't beat that either. So, Bruce, I think it's time to get into the the nitty gritty and do a deep dive on 41 let's let's get into the history the evolution favorite versions just 
I mean, everything about 41, what does it mean? Like, let's go. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, we've got so much to talk about here. Um, from from the very first version to the most recent version, we're going to go into exactly how this song came to be, what it kind of means, um, how many different iterations there have been. And Nolan, this song has had, number 41 has had 825 full plays. It's wow. been played every single year since it's debuted. And I think you've got a little list here of all of the different versions of 41 we've seen as far as uh, what band members or what iterations of the band have uh, have played for with number 41. Oh, yeah. It's been played by DMB, Dave and Tim, Dave Solo, a one-off Dave, Stefan, Tim, and Boyd version on April 29th, 1996, so about Ooh. 25 years ago. Um, and we'll get to that one a little bit later, but there's also been a Dave and Carlos Vareas band in 2016 and three times Ooh. by Stefan's side project secret stash. And I'm actually, I'll throw in another one here that I just remembered off the top of my head, Dave and Tim and the sax man back in, uh, 2017. I saw that in Nashville. So, you know, 41, obviously a Dave Matthews favorite and it should be everyone's favorite. And for me, it's a top five DMB song. It just, Oh yeah. yeah, It has to be. I think we went over, um, a little bit of where 41 ranked for us in our episode showdown with Norlander. Yeah. Hey, Norlander sup coming for you. Um, but yeah, we'll get to some of the guests here in a little bit. Uh, the sax man, that's pretty awesome in Nashville, huh? Ooh. Love that. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to all of that stuff a little bit later. But, Nolan, just a couple of little fun facts here about 41. We've got the shortest ever version is 3 minutes, 48 seconds, uh, Dave Solo version in 1999. And the longest <laughs> is, of course, we all know what the longest is. We just had this anniversary to Nolan. 4-20-2002, set closing version with the entire Flectones crew from Ottawa, Canada. 32 minutes, 3 seconds. Nolan, we'll talk about that a little later. But oh, yeah. even more importantly, where can people find the real nitty-gritty details of that epic version of 41 and hear it from, I mean, really, the man himself, Bela Fleck? Bruce, that would be in episode 36. Yeah, that's our hour-long interview with Bela Fleck. And oh, just what a delight. Just a awesome awesome human being one of our favorite people we've ever talked to um mm -hmm. gosh that was awesome if you want to know some cool stuff about 41 he gets a little a little more into it about his specific involvement with it um but bruce i actually think that 42002 is the longest version of any song dmb's ever played might need mm -hmm. to fact check, fact check that but i'm pretty sure that's uh that is correct but um oh it has to be has to be. I could think of some seek ups uh, that were pretty lengthy, but I don't think anyone touches the 32 minute uh, 41 from Ottawa. No, it's the goat for a reason. It is. And Bruce, all right, we gotta we gotta bring it back to where it all started, bringing it all back home to a place that I hold near and dear to my heart. I know you do as well. Um, but the first time. 41 was ever played in any carnation was the debut of 
41 Police at Cameron Indoor Stadium on April 7th, 1995. This was the tour opener, and this is a building where my office is right now. I've been oh. in Cameron Indoor Stadium for a number of years working there for the Duke basketball team. So this crossover is just, I mean, it's just so awesome to me. And we have both obviously been lifelong Duke basketball fans. Uh, one of the reasons we became friends in the first place. So this is just so cool that like all of our favorite things came together here for this epic night. We were a little too young to be there. Wish we were. Because uh, I believe it was like 18 bucks for a ticket, also. Oh. Um, <laughs> about, I think, uh, 6,500 people in attendance. So, wow. Yeah. Bruce it made its appearance in the encore. And uh, we actually talked about this a few uh, in our 40th episode, um, which was a few months ago now, but. We have a number 40 followed by number 41 in the encore of the show, and that's just incredible. Yeah, it really is. I mean, back-to-back, number 40, number 41, and then Watchtower. What a cool encore. Um, Second ever 40, like you said. Um, One of my favorite 40s was the one before this, uh, the debut at the Academy. But this one was really cool. And, yeah, this evolved from a sound check. Um, And, you know, Fonz kind of confirmed that. I think people, most people knew that, but um, we really needed Fonz to confirm, and he did. And he kind of spoke about that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, Nolan, the first, out of the first uh, eight times, 41 or 41 police, whatever, because it sounded like a police song, apparently. um, Mm Mm-hmm. Out of those first eight performances, five of them were actually in the encore. And nowadays, I mean, you rarely, if ever, would see 41 in the encore. And, you know, another fun fact, 40 and 41 back-to-back here, only time ever. This is the only time that that has ever been played, that those two have ever been played back-to-back. You know, I think that that's that's a 2021 thing. We need to have that this year, Dave. Do it. Oh, yeah. Gosh, that would just... Do it in Raleigh, tour opener. It'd yeah. be the it'd be the same exact thing, but uh, twenty six years later, let's make that happen. Do it now. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna go right when we're done with this. I'm gonna make a sign for that, which Dave won't see and he won't play <laughs> because I made the sign. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, Bruce, that uh, that version of forty one, the forty one police version, played a total of nineteen times before evolving into the number 41 that exists today and uh you heard a little bit of that starting our episode as the intro and uh here you go here's a little bit more just because it's the first one just because we can we thought we're gonna fuck around a little bit see if you like this new jam we've been working on
Isn't it so cool how songs evolve, Nolan? And especially the fact that this one came from a sound check jam, um, like we said before. And Fonz confirmed that, like we said. But he said that Carter started a groove. I played some chords on the bass. Dave started singing. The rest is history. Thanks, Fonz. That's real in-depth analysis. <laughs> but it's about his basic. I mean, that's what happened, I guess. You know, that's just like the most basic way of telling us, hey, this is how this song was formed. Um, and man, that is, uh, that's just really, really cool. The fact that it came from a soundcheck jam at Duke University um, there in Cameron is really awesome. And Nolan, I think uh, you and I share the same sentiment as probably every DMB fan. We'd love to know the number of soundcheck jams that didn't turn into songs. Where are the other soundcheck jams? We need those. We need them released. We had one on one of the live tracks um, from years ago. We need some more. I need some more of these soundcheck jams. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've heard, like, some snippets over the years, mm-hmm. um, I believe, just off the top of my head. Like, It's All Gravy was one. That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then oh, there was that really cool kind of, Middle Eastern minarets type sounding one um, from a sound check at San Francisco in 2005, which I was actually at that show. Oh. Um, but just there's bound to be hundreds of these, and I would just kill to hear just a just an entire release of these things. Like, God, we need that at some point so badly. Uh, Apparently, be, Monkey Man is a sound check. Oh wow. That, I know I we mean, need to find that one. Yeah, we need all of that. But Bruce, uh, in the fall of 1995, the song was officially named Number 41. After several lyric and chord changes were made, and it became the band's fourth numbered song at the time, following Number 34, Number 36, and Number 40. So then, later that fall, we had the first live performance of the structure of number 41 that we all know and love today and that was october 4th 95 at the tinker street cafe in woodstock new york the show is a one-off benefit uh, for a lady who had lost her home to a fire it was actually announced on the day of and it also featured several song debuts including crash into me and too much as well as deed is done uh, which is going oh. to have been worked on during these sessions but not selected for the album cool that? that's pretty cool I mean, it's not really cool that the that the lady's house burned down but no um you know obviously getting song debuts with too much and um crash for the first time ever deed is done then you've got the true number 41 coming in there uh that's pretty awesome um really really random but pretty pretty cool and um yeah later on that fall i guess winter really on this was back when dmb was doing some of those uh New Year's type runs. They played it on a twelve thirty ninety five, also in Hampton, um, where another great forty one was played the very next year. But this was the the night before New Year's Eve, and they played it there. And this is where the actual true number forty one lyrics um, really came to be. I mean, they're they're close enough at least. Um, they're very very close to the to the album version, give or take a few lines. Um, so you can tell that. You know, they're gearing up to releasing Crash later on in 96. And here they go. Dave's starting to get the feel for uh, the lyrics there. Um, And actually, 
I think he worked on them even after this because the next time that they that Dave took the stage, it was with Tim in February of 96, those lyrics were nailed down, Nolan. He had them. He performed them fully. And that's the 41 we all know and love right there. Uh, there you go. Dave and Tim, 1996. I believe it was February 1st, uh, Nolan there. Um, and, I mean, cool. I think it even opened the show. Uh yeah, it did. So this was Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, 41 opened the show. First time played by Dave and Tim. First time played as an opener. And it had the full lyrics. Uh, so Dave just came out swinging that night in Bloomington. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty cool to, to open a show like that. And uh, we should probably listen to, to some of that version. It sounds uh, it's pretty important in the canon of DMB history. Thank you. 
right, you heard the nailed down version of number 41 just then. But now we're going to get into the meaning of the song and origin of the lyrics. So starting out, it is widely known, but not truly confirmed by Dave, that 41 was originally written as a reply to lawsuits brought forth by Ross Hoffman, a former associate and manager of the band. Um, And we will just stress that these are rumors, not confirmed, no one knows for sure. Um, 100%. Yeah. So Hoffman owned the rights to a number of the band's songs in the early 90s. Uh, there were some creative differences, and he was eventually fired by the band. And the band's uh, current manager, Corin Capshaw, was hired. And uh, I know UDMB fans have heard his name throughout the years. But uh, as an owner of the band's songs, Hoffman felt he deserved a share of the profits, which later caused a legal dispute between him and the band. Dave apparently wrote the song based upon the broken-hearted feelings he was experience he was experiencing as he was going through legal disputes uh, with a former mentor and friend of his which totally understand that and um, Dave in a Rolling Stone interview says I was thinking about where I come from and why I wrote songs and what was my inspiration and how I was now in this situation where those things that I'd done I so loved and now suddenly become a source of incredible pain for me Suddenly there's all this money and people pulling, asking, where's mine? The wild dogs come out. The innocence of just wanting to make music was kind of overshadowed by the dark things that come along with money and success. So it's a song about looking back, but at the same time a song that's still adamantly looking forward and going, but I'm still going to carry on regardless. Damn. That's pretty cool. I mean, it is cool to find out exactly what it does mean, why why Dave wrote it, um, what it's about sort of thing. Um, so I guess, you know, during that time, this is when Dave was going through these issues, apparently, um, and he wrote about it. I mean, that's about as candid as you can hear from Dave right there. That Rolling Stone quote right there that Nolan just read, that is as honest and heartfelt as you're going to hear from Dave about one of his songs, for the most part. Um, that is... That's, you know, that cuts deep for him, obviously. And you can tell in some of the key lines, you know, when you break 41 down, if you listen to it or you go read the lyrics, you know, something like, all at once the ghosts come back. Um, Remember when I used to play for all of the loneliness that nobody notices now? Um, Mm. You know, those lines are very powerful when you hear that backstory. Um, And... It took a while for me to know what the lyrics were about. And, you know, you're just singing these songs at at the at concerts and you're singing along with Dave. And you're like, oh, this is happy, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's kind of cool that the lyrics were mysterious. And, you know, the, a casual fan really probably has no idea what the song's about. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this are hearing or learning this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I learned it for the first time, it's like, man, it, you know, sometimes it changes your perception of songs and, you know, it makes it that more heartfelt and meaningful um but yeah it was just i thought that that was super cool and especially when you kind of look into the lyrics there nolan um you get a more of an appreciation for the song and more of an appreciation for dave um and what he was going through at the time oh yeah absolutely i mean that just takes the song up a notch in the in the all-time dmv rankings for me because i mean when you go and hear that at a concert you're just singing along you're like, God, this is one of the best sing-along songs that they have. And you get you get in those whales. And, you know, the song, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I think this one and Crush are the two songs where people 
get the verses mixed up because they just want to start wailing along with Dave. And even Dave does it sometimes where he just starts, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he catches himself and then gets all messed up and gets back to where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But really cool meaning to the song. And um, I think it's probably something a lot of musicians can relate to. Um, starting out and you're just doing it because it's what you love and then people get involved that you didn't ever think about were getting involved. All the T-Swift fans probably know all about that. So Tay-Tay. shout out. Shout out to Tay Tay, uh, who actually beat DMB out for a Grammy one year, but that's okay. Anyways, um, now it's time to get into Studio Crash, released on April 30th, 1996. And Bruce, in the fall of 1995, the band recorded the song in the studio for their second major album, Crash, again with producer Steve Lillywhite. Lily White plugged Dave and Tim's acoustic guitars into electric amps to achieve that unique sound you hear on the studio recording. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to use electrics yet, Lily White told Relics. There were so many bands playing electric guitars that were like a chainsaw throughout the whole sound, like a buzzsaw. And I thought the intricacies of Dave and Tim's guitar playing were so cool that it would cheapen it slightly if on electric. We amped up the electric guitars. It gives the sound a whole different sort of sleaziness almost. Everything on this album is bigger than on the first album, and that is definitely true. There's some some pretty cool production uh, value on this song in particular, I've always thought, and uh, this is where I think Lily White really got comfortable with the band, and they just kind of hit their sweet spot and was... You can hear the comfortability, I think, as we all know things got a little dicey in the next album recording before these crowded streets, but this one is a is a happy Dave Matthews band, pumped with their first album success. Obviously, we've got this well-known flute bridge by Leroy, right? And it segues the song perfectly into Say Goodbye, one of our other all-time favorites. It was kind of every so often played uh, in this fashion during live shows right after the debut. Um, But really, we don't see that ever these days. Um, and I really do miss that. I really think that that should come back too. That's another thing that I think that DMB should do more of. The forty one and the say goodbye. Um, that would be a ton of fun. But yeah. um, you know, as we're talking about Crash and we're talking about ninety six here, we're getting into the summer. Forty one actually was the most played song in ninety six. With wait for it, Nolan. Hold on to your butts. It was played a whopping one hundred and thirty one times. In 160 shows in 1996. What? Do you know how pissed people would be these days if that happened? Oh my God, it's so overplayed. This song's terrible. Dave, like, get a life. Um, It's one of the band's best songs. So people that talk about, well, they used to have more variety. Uh, Did they? I don't know. Um, Did they? That's way more than Samurai (laughs) Cop was played back in whatever. So you guys can just shut it, okay? (laughs) Um, That's a lot of times. And it was only 29 shows that year that it was not a part of um, the set list. So that is absurd, Um, Nolan. But as we move along here, talking about 41, we really need to get into the you know the song structure the evolution of the song this is probably the most interesting part 
to me just because it's gone through several iterations and then it builds into well what have they done with it who guessed it on it what interpolations so nolan it's time this is my favorite part of number 41 let's do this yeah there's a lot to unpack here so starting off obviously 41 police kind of a jam not much structure to it you can tell the roots are forming um early chord ideas in uh late 95 it becomes number 41 Next up, song structure uh, has more of a Roy flute solo, uh, which begins showing up in 96 once Crash is released, as we mentioned before. Um, we see the standard verses, choruses, Boyd solo, Roy flute, then Roy sax structure for the next several years. Obviously, some uh, guest appearances could cause some variation here, but in uh, actually noticed this, uh, wanted to mention it this week, actually, in 96, Dave would do some uh light noodling at the end of the song which i i enjoy hearing um pretty cool to hear him yes. get into it and messing around and i noticed it on that uh that north charleston uh 1227-96xm debut and i uh, thought it sounded cool and was worth mentioning yes i i i used to like that too um he would throw some of that stuff on the outro that is um yeah i always like that cool guitar stuff from dave um, but, uh, you know, 41 kind of stayed pretty much the same in what we know. I mean, you've got the listener-supported year in 99 there. Everyone knows that version, so it's pretty much that same version there. And then in um, early 2002, actually, the flute solo is gone. Roy comes in with a saxophone solo straight after Boyd. And then in um, by July of 2002, so just a couple months later, we get Butch Taylor coming in with a key solo right after Boyd, which would precede that Roy Sax solo. It's kind of um, kind of cool listening to some of those 2002 versions there. Um, you got a little variety in there. I liked it. Yeah, definitely, definitely enjoy those. Um, and then I would say the next major change that happened with the song was obviously with Leroy no longer being. Uh, able to play and uh tim uh joined the band in 2008 you know he became a full-time member and began soloing upon uh joining them on stage and then oh nine jeff began soloing and you remember this bruce but he would do a face-off with carter while he was soloing oh, yeah. like get up <laughs> right up by the drum kit and they were just like going back and forth and man jeff would do that with everybody back then on depending on the song but this one in particular was Carter, and there are just some epic, epic versions here. Um, and you you had a note here to watch the 09 Euro DVD for a pretty cool version. Oh, yeah. That was that was cool to see. Um, that's directed by uh, Mr. Sam Erickson, which we, um, we really enjoy his stuff. And that is really cool. They get right up in both of their faces, and you can just see what's going on. It was really cool. Um, but, you know, Jeff doesn't really solo on 41 anymore. You get the Sojourn of Arjuna and pretty much Tim solos, um, and then they do that same outro. Um, they've done that for several years now. Um, so it hasn't evolved in the past uh, few years or so. Oh, maybe they'll bring something in 2021 um, that will be a little different. But um, speaking of Sojourn of Arjuna and others, there have been a whopping 18 interpolations thrown into 41 uh, over the years, Nolan. And why don't you go ahead and tell us all about some of those interps? 
Oh yeah, there's no, oh, there's been a lot, uh, including New York, New York, Frank Sinatra, mm. When You Wish Upon a Star, Pinocchio action, uh, <laughs> Take Me Out to the Ball Game. I actually saw this one uh, at City Field back in 2010. Oh, and, uh, yeah, but none have been more famous uh, or had the staying power of Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones, Sojourn of Arjuna, Bruce. It's just. It's just the best. It became a frequent interpolation since the 96 New Year's Eve show with the full fleck tones. You may know this as the Hampton Coliseum show, live track seven, first time. The fleck tones guessed it on stage with DMB as a full band, and uh, Bella had himself just first guessed it days before on 1228. And a fun fact here that Bela actually told us, the fleck tones began incorporating number 41 into some of their performances of Sojourn of Arjuna. So, oh. I mean, that's just, like, next level, like, worlds are colliding. I know. That that really is the, uh, the there, it's interstellar. It's up there in the in the cosmos. Oh, yeah. Nolan, he guessed it on 41. Um, he's guessed it on it 31 times. Um, but it's not the only song that he has guessed it um, on 31 different times. Nolan, can you guess the other two songs that Bela Fleck has guessed it on 31 times? Mm. You know, I saw this in the notes, and I did not look this up. So these are purely guesses. But my first guess is Lie in Our Graves. Okay. And the second one's a little tough. Um... How about we'll go with Last Stop? Oh, that's incorrect. You were correct on the first one, though. Line Our Graves, very well done. The Last Stop, he's only guessed it 10 times. Nolan, mm. the other one that has had 31 appearances is Don't Drink the Water. Oh. Thanks for playing, though. Ah, that was going to be my <laughs> second guess. Swear to God. Oh, yes. And you, ladies and gentlemen... Bela on this song 31 different times, but there's one version that really, I mean, well, there's many, many versions that stand out, but the one that we brought up earlier, the 420 2002 version, um, <laughs> you know, we were going to play some of this here, but it, you can't choose what to play. It's really mm-hmm. difficult to decide what portion of that song to play. So I would, Really encourage you guys to go find either that, I think it was on the Best of What's Around bonus disc live version, Nolan. I think it's on there. And Copperpot has the full video. I mean, go on YouTube. Chester Copperpot, Jason, he's the man. Just go find it on there. It is on there and watch the full thing and just sit back and relax, honestly. Yeah, do yourself a favor and check that out. We, uh, We can't do it justice on here. You just... You got to dive in and just, just sit back and watch it on YouTube and pretend you're there. It's unbelievable. Oh, it really is. It Nolan, is. Nolan, tell us about another really famous uh, interpolation, why don't you? Yeah, we saved this one uh, to talk about all on its own. but uh, Best for last. Yeah, this is the infamous everyday outro. <laughs> uh, you've, you've listened to the podcast. You've heard us uh, kind of rail on this before, but... It started in uh, December 2000, 12.03.00. The first 
uh, version where every day was in the outro, and it's actually pretty good and uh, a lot better than what it became, more of like a tease or uh, kind of a prelude to the upcoming uh, Everyday album, which obviously was not out yet. But um, yeah, from there, it just kind of went downhill, and then, you know, Dave kind of started it. So he started it, and I'd say the crowd finished it. And by the time we first saw it in the oh four oh five, we were like, "Oh no, <laughs> no, no!" The crowd like would not let go. The crowd was holding on to it and just very forced. And I like shorter forty ones, other than the epic Flectones forty one. Like the, sh- I think it packs a punch as a short song. Um, Obviously, longer versions are good too, but this one just kind of drags on when every day is at the tail end of it. Um, not for me, Bruce. Yeah, it gets a little brutal. Um, like you said, that that twelve three, the December third two thousand version was actually pretty cool. Um, I liked that.
and it was kind of like a lead into you know their upcoming album release which i thought was pretty cool um but other than that yeah it, it went on for way too long too many years too many versions and just no thank you um and you know we didn't like that so much and the real question surrounding 41 about someone not liking the song in general was Leroy did Leroy actually dislike number 41 um this has been a long standing thing where Dave has kind of said it and it's been rumored or whatever um but Nolan I think at a show that we were at Dave uh mentioned this he did Bristow 09 uh, which was basically a Roy tribute show since it was the last place yes. he played a year earlier. Right before the song, Dave says, man, Roy hated this song. <laughs> yes. He was just on my mind because last time we were here, he was here too. But uh, this next song, I don't know if he was pulling up. Man, he hated this song. I don't know. Is that Dave... Just being Dave and being sarcastic, like Roy actually loved it because obviously his parts on 41 are iconic and just unbelievable. Or I don't know, was it one of those things where they played they played it so many times where Roy's like, this song again? Really? <laughs> really? You're going to make me play another epic solo? Just watch, just watch and listen. Watch and learn. Yeah. Shut up. So who knows? I don't know. It's just been a rumor and obviously, you know, we'll... Never really know unless we ever get to interview Dave and we're like, hey, tell us. But yeah. uh, I don't know. You be the judge. Did, did Roy love it or did he hate it? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Bristow 09, what a interesting thing. We ran into each other on the lawn without even knowing the other was at the show, I believe. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that, is, that is something. Unless we did know. <laughs> I don't think we knew that we were supposed to be at the show. But And Brendan. <laughs> BK, I mean, making another appearance on the pod. What? Hey, Brian, always. We we miss you. Um, why'd you move away from me? I I don't like you. Um, <laughs> you and your wife need to come back down here. Okay, it's way cooler, way better. Um, we can ride bikes together again. Go to eat Mexican food. Hold hands. All of the things. Um, <laughs> awkward segue into us talking about segways, Nolan. Uh, there are a ton <laughs> of cool segways. But we just wanted to highlight a couple, um, talk about a couple here. Um, and I think that you had a couple uh, of segues coming out of 41 that you remember. Yeah, there, uh, there have been some an underrated number of cool segues with 41. Um, you don't really think of it as a song going into other songs, but, you know, I thought this whole, like, everyday outro thing segued nicely into this little brief topic but uh yeah. you know on june 26 1999 this randomly popped up on my ipod like a couple weeks ago and i was just like huh but number 41 into last stop prelude oh yeah uh, which then goes into last stop obviously but i mean that you got to check that one out that one is pretty freaking sweet um better than the segues that i've seen but you know it usually goes <laughs> into like a a chill song, you know? Um, I've seen it go into every day, you and me, say goodbye, do you remember? And lastly, uh, don't drink the water. So, um, you know, it has the potential to go into a lot of different songs, but, you know, an underrated underrated segue song, Bruce. 
Speaking of underrated, I know that exact show you're talking about. It's uh, Alpine back in two thousand, back in uh, ninety nine. Excuse me. Um, and hold on to your hats, people. Listen to this opening run. Don't drink the water. The Stone forty one into last stop. Granny, say goodbye. Oh God, lie in our graves. And then you've got to end the show. You've got. Um, Pig and what would you say to close out the set? Forty into Angel from Montgomery and then Watchtower in the encore. What a show that was! Six twenty six, nineteen ninety nine, and you know maybe we'll have to preview that this summer when we preview the Alpine show in twenty one. Oh wait, sorry Alpine, no shows yet again. Oof. Damn, man, that's cold. That is that's brutal. Um, that's cold as ice. And a couple of other things that are cold as ice are some of these performances by notable guests. I mean, ice Ooh. in their veins, just, oh, so good. But they're also on fire because they're so freaking good, Nolan. Some of these guest spots that we're about to talk about are otherworldly. And it's it's really tough to go into all of them because there are so many good ones. But, um, yeah, we did want to highlight a few of the best guests that have appeared on number 41. Oh yeah, obviously, Bailiffleck and the Flectones, the goats. But Bruce, I think this might actually be my favorite version, but Ooh. John Mayer with a DMB at the Hollywood Bowl in 2007. Oh my goodness. This is just silly. Actually, the second time he guessed it with DMB, um, and last time he guessed it with DMB, but the first time was oh. at Virginia Tech that same year at the Virginia Tech benefit. Let's just play a little bit of this one because it's so Got epic. To. And what, what Mayer says at the beginning of this, just like, I get cold chills. And then his just very inspired playing in this one is, is next level. I've been waiting a long time to say this. I am who I am because of Dave Matthews Band.
truly was. I can't believe that John hasn't been back on stage with the band. Um, man, he shredded. He shredded that. That is so good. Um, I mean, you know, that, he he's a living legend. He is, you know, the dead's Jerry right now. And, yep. you know, pretty cool to have him shred on that. We had Trey on Line Our Graves and a couple other versions um, of songs throughout the band's history. And then John Mayer. I mean, guitar gods playing on some of DMB's tunes here. Uh, that's really, really cool. Um, Nolan, we go back in time a little bit to about nine years earlier than that. Herbie Hancock uh, on 41. <laughs> in 98. Um, I think we actually talked about this with Rob um, at the Charlotte tailgate with the little Herbie Hancock. He he dropped some Herbie knowledge on us. Uh, sup, Rob. Miss you, buddy. Hopefully yeah. we'll see you in Raleigh and Charlotte. Um, another guitar god, Warren Haynes, Nolan. Um, that has always been kind of a staple uh, throughout the years, having him join the, join the fray. And another yep. electric guitarist, Mr. Joe Lawler actually um mm, and shout out oh shout out mr lawler yes the duel with tim on 11 19 2010 sorry nolan you weren't there live tracks mm. 39 there mm. at jpj in seville that is a version right there people need to check that one out if you haven't already but nolan there's a couple more and another one that you can actually check out on a live tracks right you can yeah tom morello from rage against the machine on acoustic guitar actually on uh, live tracks 10 from portugal very random but very cool uh it's a great version there and then uh you know one show that we were both at sitting together uh branford marsalis on 12 12 12 in raleigh that man tore it up that night uh incredible work on the sax there and then bruce we've got a lot of wow a lot of uh grateful dead uh contributors and influence here in this one we go john mayer branford marsalis who used to guess with the dead and now oteal burbridge uh bassist for dead and co there with john mayer but uh this was the last show either of us attended, and that was you at West Palm Beach, 72719, O'Teal, with some vocals and bass. Slapping that bass. Yeah, man. Um, that was so cool to see, O'Teal slapping the bass. He was scatting. He was doing everything. Um, it was it was pretty cool. Um, that, was, that was wild to see. It was so unexpected. Um, and it was like, I believe it may have been something like, 26 years or something to the day of him guesting with DMB before it was something wild um, where they had not, you know, where he had not guested with the band for 25, 26 years or something just randomly shows up. I mean, I think he lives down there, Um, but just so, so cool. And I I still can't believe that that was the last time either of us saw a show Um, nearly two years ago. Uh, that's embarrassing. Um, or it's just unfortunate, really. And, you know, we'll get back. It'll be almost, um, yeah, it'll be almost two years exactly when we get to see, when we get to see them again, um, this July. So that will be really, really awesome. But yeah, O'Teal, man. And those are some of the notable guests, Nolan. Um, really, really cool. There are so many more guests, honestly, but, uh, we've got to get to some notable versions, so why don't we get into that? 
Oh, Nolan, I just found it. Just found it. Sorry. Um, it was the first time O'Teal Burbage guessed with DMB, 727.93, and he guessed it again, 727.2019. How freaking wild is that? Coincidence? Wow. That's crazy. Even crazier, I'll throw another wrinkle into this. That's my dad's birthday. Is it really? It is. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he only guessed it with DMB twice, both on your dad's birthday, one in 93 and um, one in 2019. That is, man, that's a stat for you right there. That's crazy. Crazy Happy birthday. Stuff. Love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, great stuff there. That is the kind of uh, research that that you find on the Gray Street Pod. You're not finding that anywhere else except the Almanac, um, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right, notable versions. There are uh, so many, too many to choose from. We're going to go through some of them and then uh, mention some of our favorites, and then we outsource some of this uh, research to y'all on our social media. So let's just go through them here. Live Track 7, Hampton Coliseum with the Flectones, New Year's Eve, 96, let's go. Um, obviously had a lot of people mention the Luther College, Dave and Tim version, which the Almanac guys told us, um, if you remember, Dave says, we we called it number 41 creatively, or something <laughs> like that. And people thought That's the song Jackson. was called creatively. Um, little tidbit from the Almanac guys. Shout out to them. But um, Centrum Center, 98, Live Tracks 1. An all-time favorite. Oh, Just, yeah. Uh, incredible stuff, Bruce. Yeah, that version made me fall in love with the song. Um, I think that that version may have allowed me to discover the Flectones. Um, mm-hmm. Just that, yeah, that was really, really cool. Um, we had a couple of others that we went through and listened to um, that we knew about. 8-6-2000 with Mitch Rutman. Oh, my this one's good. And um, we had a couple people suggest that. Shout out Mark Bennett. Um, he was one of those. Uh, so thank you, Mark. We've obviously got the 32-minute 41 for 2002. Um, again, like, come on. It's so good. Um, then we had a couple of other older ones. So we had uh, the Crash Release Pre-Party at Max in Charlottesville. This was on 429.96. So happy 25th anniversary to that. Max actually had the largest dance floor in Charlottesville. Um, it was located apparently in the same <laughs> building as Tracks, so they had Max what? and Tracks. Um, and I would suggest people finding this one. Um, you, you know, we may throw um, a little bit of this one into this episode because really cool stuff from Boyd here. He had a solo. Tim had some cool feel, fills there. And if you really listen closely, you can uh, hear some stuff from Fonz. And I think he was playing upright bass here. Not a hundred percent sure, but um, but I think he was. And I- really good find there, Bruce. That is a unique version. Um, another one that was mentioned, listener supported. Just, I mean, that show is just so epic, and just the whole show reminds me of Leroy because I think he just dominates it. Like that is Leroy's concert, and he does it with number 41 it's so good um the band is just so connected in that show and that version of 41 i also think it's pretty cool when the band recognizes um some of their history so 622 2019 
41 opened their 41st show at Harford. So cool when they recognize stuff like that, man. Like, that's, you know, that makes you know that they care. You know, when, when you find out something like that, that's pretty cool. For some other versions that were mentioned via our Instagram poll, uh, Gorge Night 3 2019 with Warren Haynes. I wonder who mentioned that one. Friend of the podcast, Alex Day. <laughs> We've got Live Tracks 8. Um, got Live Tracks 1, Live Tracks 7, Live Tracks 8, 42002. Uh, Mohegan Opener on 12218. SPAC 08. Uh, Radio City, Luther College. Live in Chicago. Europe 09 that we mentioned before. Um, that Lawler version. There's a June 15th, 2013 with Victor Wooten um, in Randall's Island in 06 with the Flectones. Terrible show. That's big time on the list. Uh, the clear winner, though, listeners supported an overwhelming majority of the votes. Uh, yeah, tough to beat that one, man. Um, so, Bruce, we've talked about all these epic versions and people's favorites. Um Let's get into like some of our stats here. I've seen the song 23 times. It is the third most song that I've seen performed by uh, Dave in any iteration. And um, you and I actually saw one together that was a semi-opener, uh, Raleigh 2015. It opened the electric set. So I just thought that was pretty cool. How many times have you seen number 41? Well, man, you've seen it 23. I've only seen it 21 times, just 21. Um, so 21 41s for me, <laughs> still a lot, but um, really, 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 you know, never get, uh, never get tired of 41. Man, I, I completely forgot about that 2015 opener of the electric set. That is a good call by you. I forgot about that. Oh, thanks. Do you have a favorite version, Bruce, that uh, that you have seen? Ooh, that I've seen. I mean, it's probably going to be the um, mm, that Lawler Tim duel in mm. Seville. That one was really good. Obviously, seeing O'Teal and seeing Branford on separate versions; mm-hmm. those are really cool. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's probably got to be that 2010 version. That one was just absolutely absurd. Yeah. It sounded absurd. I wish I could have seen it, but that's okay. You know, I'll take the <laughs> Branford one. That's fine. Um, I'm good with that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about, like, different aspects of number 41 um, in doing our, our notes here, but I feel like the song is made up of a, di- a number of different, like, iconic musical moments. Um, so, like, what do you think of when you think of number 41 like what sticks out in your head about number 41 to you honestly um the beginning i've got a couple the beginning of the song the you know Mm -hmm. just the uh lead in by carter and everyone just kind of coming in on that nice chord there yeah i love that um and the coming yeah Obviously, everyone loves that, yeah. and I think that that's got to be it for me. There's a couple of other things I think that um, other people may choose, but those are the one or two for me. 
Yeah, definitely the uh, the yeah there the whale is is up there. It has to be. Well, I'll just say you know the the basic uh, you know chords of the song. Da 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 na 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 na. I mean, what a great groove, man! That is like that'll get stuck in your head forever. And I just love that. I think of I think of that, and then. A lot of times I think of um, colors with songs, and uh, Roy Moore has this like great quote that um, variety of emotion is good. It makes the music different colors, and that has always stuck with me. And so in my head, I always associate colors with songs, and for me, 41 is blue. Oh! It is just, it's just blue. And, uh, yeah. You can mix in a little bit of purple and red, but it is it is a blue song to me. One hundred percent. I was gonna. I was really wondering if you'd say blue, um, because that is exactly what I think too. Ugh. What what color? That would be. Yeah, yes. that's funny. That's a good quote by Leroy, though. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Of course, we would both choose blue. Of course, maybe we're biased because uh, the first one happened. In the home of the Duke Blue Devils, the greatest college basketball program of all time. That's a fact. I mean, and, what can we uh, say? Yeah. I mean, gosh. Bruce, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about with number 41. I think we've covered it all. Yeah. Uh, we, we dove deep, deep, deep into number 41 there. That was that was cool. It was cool um, researching the history of the song and everything, going in and listening to a ton of different versions, a lot of different guests, um, the interpolations, um, different solos, all the versions of 41. Um, it was really, really cool. And, that, you know, we kind of, you know, suggest that you guys do the, do your own Um you know, go find some other versions of 41. Just listen to the differences. It's uh, it's cool. It's been a nice evolution for that song. And, man, I certainly can't wait to see it live again. I know. We better see it in those in those first couple of concerts. I really hope we do. And, uh, hey, if you think we missed anything about 41 or there's a version that you love that we didn't mention, uh, hit us up on on social media. We'll have some posts out about this episode, so feel free to comment and and uh, let us know what you think. Some more episodes on the horizon, Bruce. That's uh, hopefully we have some interviews uh, lined up in the near to distant future. Um, but you know, first and foremost, we gotta we gotta get this uh, this baby of yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's ready to go, man, and uh, we'll be we'll be thinking about you and sending good vibes your way, and um, just like can't wait to to see what's next for you guys and uh, and to meet baby Jackson. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, all all good vibes uh, to to my wife for sure. Not necessarily to me. <laughs> um, I'm not growing a human. I'm not about to have a human exit my body. Um, so <laughs> to, to put it bluntly, um, but yes, we're super excited and, um, it's very, very close, very, very close. So sometime, maybe even by the time some people hear this, um, he may be, uh, he may be out and about, um, but, um, likely as of time of recording this about 
two weeks or so um, until the due date. So we'll see. We'll see how all that goes. And we're very, very excited. And Nolan and I are both very excited, like he said, to do a couple of uh, a couple of interviews coming up that we uh, we think that we have lined up for you guys. So that's super exciting. Um, we can't wait to share those with you. We can't wait to have the conversations first off, but then share those with you guys and gals uh, coming up soon. But yeah, Nolan, I think that wraps up episode 41. We're finally here. We made it. And um, oh yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's get on out of here and shouts again to the band. Shout out DMB for announcing the 2021 summer tour. Thank you so much. Um, We're we not worthy. Wait. <laughs> uh, exactly nolan tell people where they can find us and let's get out of here oh yeah you can uh you can email us uh graystreetpod at gmail.com and uh find us on instagram twitter facebook on uh, instagram and twitter we are at graystreetpod facebook we are the corner of gray street podcast facebook page and you can download our podcast wherever you get your podcasts so please check us out uh, would love some five star reviews. Say something nice about us if you feel like it. Um, but if not, we'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if so, just, just yeah, exactly. Keep leaving the five star reviews. We really appreciate that. You guys are freaking awesome. Thank y'all so much. Um, y'all take care, and we'll see you next time on the corner of Gray Street.
I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.